Welcome back to Talking Rugby Week 10. My goodness, hasn't it flown past? As always, you're joined by myself, Katie, and with me is Matt. Matt, how are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. And that, that 10 weeks that you mentioned, well, we're 10 weeks closer to the start of rugby in England, I suppose. It's fantastic. And Premiership Rugby have announced that they're now moving to Stage 2 this week, on as of Monday, which means that clubs can involve a little bit of tackling and get some closer contact training all looking towards that 14th to 16th start date in August. Yeah, it should be good. It should be very good. But one club has really dominated um, news this week, and that's Leicester Tigers. Matt, you are passionate about them. You're a Tiger through and through. It's been a hectic week, hasn't it? It's been very, very busy. I'm I'm (laughs) still trying to get my head around some of the stuff that's gone on um, from a fan point of view and a, a journalistic point of view in terms that is this happening everywhere or is it just Leicester? Well, if you're not up to date, let's have a look at what's happened. So new player contracts start on the 1st of July, which means you have until the 30th of June, 5pm, to decide whether you're staying at your club or changing clubs. That's all pretty much straightforward. However, earlier in the week, we heard that nearly a third of Tigers players hadn't re-signed contracts and they were sort of in a limbo. Now, those names got whittled down to around six to 12 players. And according to Mail Sport, George Ford and Ellis Genge signed a last minute deal at 4.58pm. But there was no news on other players. So people, we, us, everybody, fans, journalists, we start to look and see who those players are. And those players are some pretty big names. Let's start with the biggest, Manu Tuolangi. Greg Bateman, Vianu, Reed, Tuafoa, Eastmond, they seemingly all left the club, haven't they, Matt? Yeah, and they're going to leave big, big holes, um, particularly Tuolangi and Vianu. Um, you're probably looking at Taufur as well, though he didn't have um, much game time uh, due to him arriving a bit late and then having a little bit of an injury. But still, they're, they're names that uh, Leicester need in their squad. They are indeed. And uh, the new CEO um, was very, very open, Andrea. She was so open on LTTV having a chat about all those players. She mentioned five of them. She didn't mention Vianney, actually. So it does sound like those those five players are gone. It it certainly uh, seems that way, though. I have heard a few things about Tuolangi maybe having a change of heart, but to me, it seems like uh, the the door's closed and Leicester are trying to crack on without them, I suppose. Well, let's talk about Tuolangi. The Tuolangi family legacy is sort of over after a 20-year association with the club. That is very, very big if you take sort of almost dynasties of families in rugby. The Tuolangi family, they have been so prominent in English rugby and so loyal to Leicester Tigers. I think that's something that you associate with Tuolangi, you know, that loyalty to Tigers. Mm-hmm. And I know that sort of at the time there were quite a few, and I don't know whether you were one of them, Matt, Tigers supporters that weren't happy that Tigers had invested so much time and money into Tuolangi, yet he was on the sideline injured for a very long length of time. Let's not forget from 2014, he didn't mm-hmm. play again until 2016. So, is it almost a little bit of a kick in the teeth to Tigers, given how much money and time they've invested into money? It, it's really hard to um, kind of work out whether Manu owes stuff to Leicester or whether 
or, or not, but it's really hard to work it out because obviously Manu signed a contract last year. Um, he could have gone to Racing. There was a whole big uh, hoo-ha about how Racing are offering loads more money. They've got a nice train, nicer training facilities than Oval Park. They've got a team full of superstars and they're going to be the next European champions. All that. But then he decided to go to decided to stay at Leicester and maybe Manu would say in response to that question that he shown well he put his faith in Tigers then then he gave him an extra 12 months um and perhaps maybe that's that's where his payback ends maybe but uh, I can see I can see why fans are suggesting that um Manu still owes the club something I can see why that's interesting that, you know, he had those reports to go and join France and have a lovely career in sunny France and, you know, on fantastic money and really be at the top of the, his game again. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you know, he gave Tigers 12 months. And if you look, OK, yes, this season hasn't gone at all as anyone had planned, but Tigers haven't performed when the season's been going. And maybe we don't know whether that was something that was said sort of when he re-signed that you've got to prove to me, you know, mm. that this club is sort of worth me, maybe. Yeah, it could be. I mean, of course, a player like Manu is going to want to win games. He's, he deserves to win games. He's that good when he's uh, when he's playing well and he's obviously an international, proven international for England. And he wants to be performing at the top of the Premiership or at the top of any league that he plays in. And he's not at the minute and maybe that's an extra factor that has played on his mind and of well before Leicester had the advantage of a World Cup around the corner uh, that's obviously not the case anymore and Manu is 29 so I think he'll be 32, 33 by the time the next World Cup comes around so there's no guarantee that Manu will be picked for England at 32, 33 so maybe that's not on Manu's mind as much now as it was 12 months ago. That's interesting you say that, you know, I love how we always talk about players. 32, that's past the peak, they're old. <laughs> um, but he could have, he definitely has another World Cup in yeah. him. It just depends yeah, who's sort of fighting at his tail. Yeah, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, <clears throat> that's for certain. Exactly. But I think there with Manu, sort of, we talk about England and he was one of England's standout players. He was the most consistent player, one of for England during 2019 and the World Cup and he was monumental in that but then also you know the Lions are still touring next Mm -hmm. year to South Africa and you'd really feel that he'd want to be a part of that again he was you know he's already been capped as a Lion and I'm sure he'd want that again but he's got to play in England. Yeah it's that's the pinnacle isn't it of um, well for a lot of people it's the pinnacle of rugby in the Northern Hemisphere to play for the Lions and I'm sure these opportunities don't come around very often. Um, Man who's probably not as certain for the centre shirt again. I'd say he's he's certainly good enough to be on the tour. Um, so I don't see. I think that is an advantage certainly for any Premiership club that wants to sign Manu. And let's look at those Premiership clubs that are sort of rumoured to sign him. I know that Sale Sharks have been mentioned in the news this week, as have Bristol Bears, and I actually think both clubs would really suit him with that playing style. But there is the good old salary cap and we don't know what's happening there because 
I can imagine now clubs are pretty tight up to the top end of the salary cap, especially Sale and Bristol. Sale in particular, because they they signed that deal with the players um, that they'll they'll keep their players for three years, I think, more or less without with very limited changes because of the salary cap. Um, and then Bristol, well, they've already had a few question marks over them by a few people, but I have heard uh, from Bristol or hinted from Bristol that they're not actually spending up to the cap at the minute. And um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Maybe some, maybe teams will decide to make way for Manu. Uh, it really depends, doesn't it? It is really interesting there. And sort of we look at money and probably this deal might be money related. We know that players weren't happy with how Leicester sort of announced that 25% pay cut. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting sort of how, I suppose the big question for Manu really is how much does he want to play for England and how much does England want him? Yeah, of course. Um, I think that is probably the, the deal that's going to swing it. Of course, Man, we're four years away from the World Cup, so Manu can sign a two, three-year contract outside of England and then come back for the World Cup. Now, that's not totally unheard of. Um, that's another option he's got to... Maybe he'll decide while while he's away for a year or so whether he, how much he wants it, how much he misses it. I have such... I just... That obviously <clears throat> is so viable and that can happen, but I just think it's so unfair. So those centres who stay in England and wear mm-hmm. that absolute socks off for someone to go on big money for three years in France and then just pop back over the water for for a World Cup. I don't, I don't really know how well that would sit with me. But yeah, it's harsh, isn't it? It yeah. is quite harsh. Let's keep talking about Tigers, though. So 31 members of staff have left. Now, let's spare a thought because players who aren't retiring they are more than likely to find another place to play. It might take a few months, it may even take a season, but they will no doubtably probably find somewhere that will take them because they are all good players. Um, they, you know, they can go off, they they probably in a good enough financial position to be able to relocate if they needed to. But let's look at those sort of support staff and behind the scenes staff. They might struggle to find another job within the same career area and in Leicester. Obviously, we know what's happening at Leic- mm-hmm. in Leicester at the moment. And really, your thoughts have to go out to these players that aren't on the pitch, who aren't on as big as money as players are, who have lost their job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the world is kind of on its knees a little bit now in terms of um, redundancies and jobs available, particularly in in this area uh, of sport because sports isn't exactly going to grow I don't think and some of the roles that they they had occupied probably won't be there or certainly for little jobs that pop up they, they won't be in the same well more people will be going for them and there'll be less jobs available so it's uh, it's a tough time for everybody. It really is a tough time and a sort of this can be echoed across all the 12, 13 if you include Newcastle Premiership clubs and really clubs all over the world, um, they're really going to suffer at the moment. We're sort of losing people that have been so influential in the club, but just can't stay at the moment. And it, it's really sad time for rugby. It, it's shocking. It's, it's not just a rugby issue either. It's it's absolutely everything. And um, it's going to take a long time for us to recover from this, I think. 
It really is sport globally. It's going to have a huge effect. Matt, we wouldn't, we'd never want to go into the industry right now, would we? No, absolutely. <laughs> we wouldn't want to be graduates going into this sport world. <laughs> we picked a golden time. I think you're going to have about 298 podcasts before Matt and I <laughs> find we'll somewhere find in the sport else. world. But let's, let's go back to Leicester. Matt, have Leicester handled this situation well? That's the key question, I think, in for Leicester to review this situation. Obviously, nobody has been in this position before. It's unprecedented for everyone and anyone. Um, it's hard to get it right when you're doing it kind of randomly as well, or to a certain extent. Probably random is not the right word, but in terms of you don't know how long this is going to go on for, the whole situation, that is. And then... I think with the players, they had to, they had to find some cuts, and they had to offer the players something different, um, because otherwise they, the club would be, well, probably boarding up and calling the administrators. But um, the only thing that kind of has gone wrong for them, I think, is the fact that it was played out in the media. The names were out in the media, and that could have potentially changed a few of the outcomes, maybe. But on the whole, I think they were quite open, transparent. The LTTV uh, editions that they've been doing have been really good for not just fans, but the whole rugby community. And that's provided um, as much clarity as they they probably could have. In fact, I think they might have said too much, uh, <laughs> ironically. But I've, on the whole, I think they've, they've done quite well. They have. And let's look at the impact into the current squad. Steve Borthwick, I take my hat off to you because you have entered into a world of mayhem <laughs> taking over Tigers at the moment. But how, how will all of this sort of impact their, their squad that's left? Yeah, it's quite funny that you allude to that because um, all that storm was kicking off on Twitter about who which players are involved and then there was Tigers were just posting pictures of their new players and their Steve Borthwick in the Tiger shirt for the first time and it's kind of like oh, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome. What a better welcome than than this week. I mean my <laughs> goodness, poor man, he couldn't have timed that probably any worse for him. No, uh, yeah. It, he wouldn't admit it, the club won't admit it, but it probably was a little bit of a, a back foot start for them. I think maybe a lot of changes are going to happen. Maybe some new players are going to have to come in to to fill the gaps uh, as and when required, depending on injuries, suspensions and that. But maybe the group that are left, the group that believed in what the club are doing, the that took the salary reduction for a year, maybe those guys will be tighter as a, as a group and maybe that will help Leicester. I mean, it's there. It's the current squad's turn now to really make the shirt their own. They're, obviously, there's uh, Ben Youngs and uh, Dan Cole, those kind of players that are quite old, but the majority of the squad is pretty young and maybe it's their turn to really do what the old international, non-internationals used to do at Leicester and really step up to the plate. Really bring Leicester back to how we know it. And it's oh. interesting there that you mentioned sort of those core players that have stayed and who are loyal to Leicester now and want to help them and we're not talking about Saracens at all but it sort of maybe echoes I know the situations are totally totally different but you see there's some core people at Saracens that are still believing in the club despite everything that's gone on and I suppose it's 
sort of a little bit the same with Tigers, that there are some players that are still hungry to play for the club and want to support support them despite what's going on. Yeah, it speaks speaks dividends, really, that those players that want to stay are staying. I mean, I couldn't see the Youngs brothers or... Um, Dan Cole anywhere else. Uh, it was surprised to see Ford rumoured. I think he's got some unfinished business at Leicester to really get onto, uh, get onto the um, get onto the pitch and then sort it out. I think he's really keen on getting Leicester back up, and he wants to be part of that journey. I think Ford has got a lot to prove, club-wise. Mm. Um, sort of given how things went down at Bath and. Now, sort of what Sam Burgess has said as well. He, I think he really, for himself, probably wants to prove how good he can yeah. be at club level, and hopefully that will come. And again, he's working with his dad. Yeah, yeah, that that that's interesting because I read um, years ago, sort of when the the whole Bath thing was playing out, that them playing coaching together wasn't the perfect fit. So it will be interesting to see sort of how that how that works again. But let's look at life without Tuolangi Vianu. We mentioned their sort of players coming in. How many players do you think need to be in? Well, with with Tuolangi and Vianu, it's obviously we all know what they can do on the pitch. We all know the the impact they have on the attack, even sometimes the defence. But we don't know what impact they have in the changing room at, or at the training park. And from what I can see, from what I've spotted when I've been at Oval Park or when I've been even looking on social media, he can kind of get a get an idea that Tuolangi and Vianu are big characters in in terms of you know, team morale or it's always good to have a player like Manu Tuolangi on, on your team if you like. <laughs> and for more ways than for more ways than one in terms of his ability to I don't know, cheer perhaps bring on some of the younger younger guys. And uh, that is kind of probably irreplaceable um, by choice. I think that those those things just kind of happen. Um, Leicester will need to bring in some players. Of course they will, uh, particularly the back three. Um, but yeah, that that kind of the big changing room or the, the play you want on the bus is uh, going to be hard to find for them. I think they've lost two big important players in that department. They really have, and it will it will be interesting to sort of see how tigers how tigers go without without some really big names. Hmm. But that's that's tigers, and we're probably banged on about tigers a lot. But they they're tigers, and you sort of <laughs> I know it's quite a wide statement, but you sort of have faith that although they've got all of this going on, they are Leicester Tigers. They have won titles. They have been. European champions, they they know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget Steve Borthwick's turning up and a lot of the the, the core members of the forwards, so the second rows and that, are still at the club and mm. he's going to really work with that. And of course, the the big quality of Steve Borthwick coming in was that he had, he'd worked with the likes of Dan Cole and Alice Genge uh, before with England and that's that's still going to be there. I mean, a lot of clubs, I've seen a lot of players walk away from other clubs. I think Gloucester in particular and Bath. And um, 
it'd be interesting really to see obviously Leicester Tigers are Leicester Tigers as you mentioned the Tigers the titles that they've won and that's probably put them in in the news a little bit more it'd be interesting to work out has this happened at other clubs is this something that's echoing down the premiership that's interesting you say that let's look at some other clubs Saints renewed 19 contracts of those who hadn't already signed new deals and that included seven internationals. Um, that's big. That's really big from director of rugby, Chris Boyd. It shows that they have a vision. They know where they're going. And their key players are on board with what Northampton are currently having to offer. They, I think at the moment, sort of squad unity and sort of reassurance is what fans, clubs, players need. And they've certainly got that. Um a club, on the other hand, who maybe haven't got that at the moment is Gloucester. They signed George Skivington as their head coach. Fantastic news. He can really do fantastic things, I think, with Gloucester. But it really hasn't gone smoothly because London Irish are claiming that there's been no formal or informal contact. Um, so that, pardon me, <coughs> sorry. Um, so that is really sort of upsetting for Gloucester because now they could potentially have some sort of legal battle on their hands which they don't want but then they've lost quite a few key players going out Callum Braley, Franco Mostar, obviously World Cup winner, Rowan Juria, Owen Williams he has been injured for a long time but mm. he probably didn't fit into Ackerman's plan but now Ackerman's left. Tom Marshall that was surprising given the fact that he had signed a new contract Franco Murray, Simon Linzel, and then the up-and-coming flanker Aaron Hinckley has gone to Exeter. So they've, they have lost sort of some big-name players that could really make an impact with them. Yeah, there's huge names. I mean, I've got a couple of those at least in my fantasy rugby club and <laughs> rugby squad. Um, so that's, I need to have a look at that and make some changes there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting with obviously Skivington coming in and as we mentioned with Borthwick, maybe he's on the back foot a little bit as well, do you think? Mm, potentially. They've sort of taken over clubs that are a little bit not knowing where they are really at the moment. But Wasps, you could argue, are sort of in sort of the same position. Obviously, mm. Dai Young's left them, um, but they've sorted out all their coaching issues it seems but the players going out they've lost Billy Searles who Worcester Charlie Matthews has gone um over to Japan there's some cars left Ashley Johnson he has literally taken about 20 <laughs> steps over the road to Mosley and <laughs> I honestly think that is a fantastic signing for Mosley my goodness they're <laughs> going to absolutely love him yeah indeed I mean he's a Again, one of those guys that you want on your team, isn't he? A bit like Manu um, in terms of the off the pitch uh, interest from fans and that. Uh, so it's an impressive signing and um, I'm sure he's going to do some damage. I think there's probably a lot of players in that league now. I think, you know, God, yeah. <laughs> we've got to run it. Ashley Johnson's going to be running out of them. Watch out. And then sort of look at Bath. They've got a long list of players leaving, but I suppose... There are a few standouts. Reese Webb, uh, Francis Lowe, he is retiring. Freddie Burns is off to Japan. Chris Cook, Alec Brew, Matt Garvey, Tom Homer. They're sort of names that have been associated with Bath for a long time and, and they're leaving as well. So, I Matt, think... Matt Garvey, is he retiring or has he just left? Um, I'm not 
too sure. I think he's just left. I think it just said that yeah. he's um, sort of left. Yeah, Matt Garvey's just been released from the squad. That's really fair. interesting for me because mm. he really is a you know, stereotypical Bath player, if you yeah. like. Um, I, I Yeah, that's really interesting. So I think all clubs sort of at the moment are having a, a bit of a reshuffle in some sort of way. Um, but that that I think there's probably some clubs that are more in the deep end than others. But but we shall see how next sort of next season plays out, I suppose, because it will be it will be so different for every for every club. And I don't really think you can maybe take next season by anything because it will be so different. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of clubs that have been quite quiet during this period as well, which um, may speak volumes. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's certainly, I think we've mentioned right at the start of this 10 weeks uh, how uh, we're going to get two sets of squads over one season and how that could benefit the likes of Bristol, who have recruited really well. And um, maybe not so for like, a team like Leicester, who are now without a lot of star players and uh, they probably won't be able to get enough um, star quality back into the squad before um, the start of the nine nine weeks that are remaining in the Premiership. It is, it is sad for them, but rugby has returned and we know it's returned because we've been talking about it for weeks and we're very, very, <laughs> very, 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 very happy. And um, Super Rugby Ateo in... New Zealand is continuing. They've been doing really well. Crusaders have played three, one, three, and so have the Blues. And sort of really, there. I think the Crusaders are really going to take it, don't you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, from the results that have happened this weekend, it's really confirmed that we've kind of got a two-way battle. Yes. Uh, you know, there's still four or five weeks, uh, four or five games, sorry, for each team. Uh, left, but there's a almost a ten point gap. What's that? An eight point gap between third and second. Um, that's a that's a big gap in a uh, such a short competition. It and is. It what's really, really is. exciting is that the Blues and Crusaders play each other the last weekend. It'll be so good. So uh, yeah, I, I looked through the fixtures thinking, oh, this could be all over sooner rather than later. But no, it does go right to the last weekend. Which is fantastic. And also rugby in Australia has kicked off. Super Rugby is back over there. And they they went off to a flying start, really. 32-26 against Queensland and the Wolverhampton's. And 31-23 against Brumbury's Melbourne. And again, classic games to start off some more Super Rugby. Yeah, um, I, um, I know there is a big difference, actually, between the uh, Australia game and the New Zealand uh, competition just by I think it's just a bit quicker um, there's less attention around the breakdown I don't know if that's because it was the first week maybe and they're still kind of in that new season zone where they're throwing the ball about a little bit more but um, yeah it's, it's really good I'm not sh- too sure about the rule changes but uh... That's a debate. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that another time. <laughs> yeah, that's a debate for another day. <laughs> that is indeed. But just quickly, one last thing. Brad Barrett is off to Japan. Odd move or wise move? Well, it's a, it shocked me. I thought he'd just signed for the, the Blues on a, mm. on a long-term deal. But um, anyway, for for him, it's it's probably 
yeah, a lot of these players now want to experience different cultures, different places to live, and um, you probably can't blame him. I mean, he, I don't think he's playing for New Zealand in the next two years, is he? I think that was confirmed, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a bit of a question mark around that, but again, like we mentioned with potentially manager, and he can come back to New Zealand and in time for the next World Cup. He can indeed. And Japan is a place where Matt and I will be exploring next week on the podcast as we look at why players are going to Japan. And we can't wait, really, because it's attracting a lot of players and, and we want to know why. <laughs> so join us next week on Talking Rugby World. We'll be discussing Japan. <laughs>